Hey friends, it's Mark James. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday, it's November, isn't it? November the 10th, is it? Just double check. Yeah, November the 10th. Wild. How are you all? What a day it's been. You know what? I didn't go to bed until 3 o'clock again, 3 a.m., playing Call of Duty. That's okay. My friend Cammy, who I play Call of Duty with a lot, is moved to Canada today. So we stayed up a bit late to, you know, give him a solid <laughs> solid in-game send-off. I was going to go to bed earlier. Tonight I'm doing it. Tonight I'm going to bed by 11. You can't do everything in a day. Just set yourself a few smaller goals. So today's goal is drink lots of water, go to bed by 11, don't eat any chocolate. That's it, all right? I've had too many pizzas. It's not the end of the world. I've had uh, two energy drinks, no calorie. And I've walked. I did the full walk. The full walk, friends, all the way to Deepdale and back. The three and a half hour walk for the first time, probably in a month. The fight back starts here. Let's do it, bitches. <laughs> we will fight them on the beaches. Um, what's been going down? Firstly, there is a competition to announce. Um, I'm unsurprised, but slightly disappointed that more of you didn't share it based on how many listeners to this podcast there were. Only four people actually went and shared the cake page, which means that there was a 25% chance of winning. Four of you entered. We put four names in a hat, not just any old hat, by the way. It was a bowler hat. It was the bowler hat from my act. And we got four post-its and we wrote the names on them. We folded them up. We dropped them in. We shook the hat up. Sarah reached in, took one out. The person who pulled that one out wins a free box of Rocky Road, which is being posted in the morning to you. First class. The winner is Nathan Rogers. There you go, mate. You won it. Look at that. Now, the four people who entered, I know all of you personally. And so thank you. I appreciate it. I realize that many of you are American or other countries. And I specifically told you not to enter because you couldn't have won the prize. Uh, so that's OK. But to the four of you who entered, I knew all of you personally. And I knew I'd be happy whoever won. But my dear friend, Nathan, who uh, him and his girlfriend, Miley, and they have a baby. Uh, I think they're going to like it. So anyway, the Rocky Road is on the way to you tomorrow, mate. That's all right, isn't it? little free gift from me. So thanks for sharing the page. It was much appreciated. Uh, we might do another competition next week. And maybe a couple more of you will join in. Who knows what it'll be. But as ever, you know, I am here for you. And I really am. So don't be shy when it comes to sharing the podcast. Like, I know I asked you to share the cake page. But... Share the podcast too if you can. Makes a difference. If I say something funny, loads of people actually have messaged me saying they liked yesterday's episode with Joshua. He is funny, you know. He's a funny boy. I don't know what is. Uh, I don't know where he gets it from, but he's funny. <laughs> His favorite thing. He loves uh, Stranger Things. He must have seen it. I don't know. Is there a higher number than infinity? Whatever that little sideways on eight is that means infinity. Well, do that plus one. That's how many times he's watched it. And he got obsessed with the idea of Dungeons and Dragons that they play in that game. He thought it would be cool. So I bought it. Now, as it goes, I never played Dungeons and Dragons as a kid because it was just not a thing for English kids in the late 80s. I was born in 1985. So, you know, growing up in Britain in the late 80s, Dungeons and Dragons was not a thing. I suppose to be into Dungeons and Dragons, you probably had to already be 
like, you know, maybe 10 years old when I was born. I think maybe I had to be born mid-70s to be into that, probably. But anyway, they were selling it, a, a Stranger Things edition of it, in Waterstones, which is... um basically like a big bookstore for the it's like borders for those in america so anyway they sell it in waterstones not like uh what's it called what's that other place that sells books the works there's a shop in the uk called the works and that sells books it's a bookshop that appears to be trying to sell everything it can in order to avoid selling books <laughs> i don't understand the works the works bookshop Sells almost everything but books. Very strange. Anyway, so it was in Waterstones. And it was a Stranger Things edition of Dungeons and Dragons. So we thought, this will be brilliant. Anyway, turns out, it's a lot harder than you think. I mean, you basically, you don't get like, a, it's not like a traditional board game. You get some little characters, but a lot of it is you've got a score sheet and you use your imaginations. So you have to have someone running the game who makes up the story. So they're going, right. Um, Lord Hephaestus. Hephaestus is a Greek god, by the way. I was taught that by my son Joshua this morning. Because he knows all the Greek gods. Because he loves Percy Jackson. And he reads the books. Anyway. Although he didn't know about Nike. I taught him about Nike this morning. Because I read Phil Knight's autobiography. That um, founded Nike. And originally it was called Blue Ribbon Sports Company, in case you were interested. But then he renamed it to Nike after the goddess Nike, which in uh, Greece, in Greek myth, means victory. That was the, the goddess of victory. So that's where I got the name from. Anyway, uh, so you say, you know, Lord Hephaestus has burst into the cave. What will the um, cephalopod... I'm taking stuff from everywhere here. Yeah, that's from Men in Black. What will the cephalopod do? It reaches into its uh, under its wing and pulls out its, you know, water pistol and shoots you in the face. If you roll a six, you can live. And then you go, wait a minute, I've got an alternating score. I only need to take away two. If I roll a four, I can live. And you roll the dice and you're all making up the story as you go along. And anyway, the only thing we took out of the box was the instruction sheet. <laughs> I read it once and was like, fuck this for a laugh. It's way too much. It's way too involved. I'm not sitting there pretending that I'm in charge of a dungeon or I'm a dragon lord or whatever for the sake of playing this game. And Joshua couldn't be bothered with it either. So we just played Monopoly instead. <laughs> I'm all right at Monopoly though. Um, my technique for Monopoly is to just be aggressive. You just buy as much as you can. That's the technique. I read loads of tips online for playing Monopoly. They're like World Monopoly Champion did a YouTube video about the best ways to win. And they said, rather than buying hotels, what you should do is get as many houses as you can on every property because there's a finite number of houses, isn't there? So if you've put four houses on every property, there aren't houses for other people to buy. And by virtue of the official rules, you have to go via the houses to get to the hotels. So you essentially can monopolize. I mean, there's the joke, isn't there? Isn't it weird that only one company makes that board game? But you can monopolize uh, their ability to make money. So even though you'll have no money, you'll also have a huge ability to make money. Whereas the other people you're playing against will have money 
but no ability to make money. So then it's just a short-term game of survival. And before you know it, you're dominating. That's how you win Monopoly. You buy everything. One of the rules I hate in Monopoly, in the official rules that nobody plays, is that um, you're supposed to, whenever you land on a square, they're not really square either, they're oblong, but we say square. Uh, are they oblong or are they square? Hmm... More information on this later. Anyway, whenever you like, it's because the card is oblong, isn't it? The property card is oblong. But the pro, no, they're definitely oblong. We, we say square. Anyway, whenever you land on a square, if you don't buy that property, it's supposed to go up for auction to the other players to see if they want to buy it or not. So that means that everything can be bought up in like a single go around the board or two goes around the board. Possibly, you know, so nobody plays that. Also, have you ever played Monopoly with six people? What a nightmare. It's a good one-on-one -on -one game. It's a good game for three. It's not a bad game for four. But for six, fuck that. Jesus. I'm swearing a lot today. It's because I'm relaxed. <laughs> anyway, so we just play Monopoly instead. Joshua's not bad at Monopoly. Sarah's pretty good at Monopoly. Actually, that's one of the very few games that I actually often win. I get beaten at everything by Sarah. Chess, you name it, everything. But Monopoly, I win that quite a bit. That's because she's too sentimental. She prefers to wait and try and buy certain properties that she's got an affinity with. Whereas I just buy whatever I land on, on the back end of the board, I'm in there. And then I'm going to try and get them, everything. I don't have any sentimentality. I don't wait until I land on the blues or anything like that. I just go for it. So that's... That's my technique. Anyway, that's Dungeons and Dragons and board games. And we are bored at the minute, aren't we? Board games. There you go. That'll go in the title. Board spelled B-O-R-E-D. Clever, see? And you won't know what it means when you click the episode title, but you will now. There you go. Um, so I was walking through town and I noticed that, of course, all the shops are closed, but M&S is open. Now, of course, you're only allowed to buy food. But in the M&S in Preston, you have to walk through the clothing in order to make it to the food. So I wonder what the situation is when you walk in. Is it like, hi, I'm just going to the food aisle. Okay, good. Don't look at the clothes. Don't look at the clothes. Get your eyes away from those clothes. Don't you look at that scarf. Don't you dare reach out and touch that fabric. <laughs> you can't try anything on. You can't pick anything up. You can't even look at it. Just go to the food section. You better be in here for grapes, strawberries, avocados, bananas, and a small selection of meats. Because that's what they sell in M&S, in case you didn't know. Short for Marks and Spencers, for my American friends. Um, don't look at the clothes, though. Walk through the clothes. Walk around the clothes. But do not look at the clothes. That's very important. <laughs> oh, it's depressing, isn't it? I spoke to my friend Dave today. We were talking about depressing situations and crappy gigs. He was telling me that uh, he did a New Year's Eve gig at Ponin's and it was horrible. And there were like five acts on and they were on first. So that meant that they got to leave and go back to the accommodation. But the accommodation was so bad, they had a miserable New Year. And of course, I stayed there the other week, as you'll know. So I had a miserable time there as well. And I was thinking, I've had a miserable New Year before. <laughs> Sarah and I went on a boat. I was gigging. It was a ferry. I was gigging on this ferry and it was across to Amsterdam. And we got on there and there was this whole scenario where they basically said, you, your room's not ready, but it will be once we sail. Now, 
this is not my first rodeo, not my first boatio. So I thought, I know what's going to happen here. What's going to happen is they're waiting until all the guests are in their rooms, waiting to see if anyone complains. And if somebody complains, they'll get moved and we'll get stuck into whatever shithole's left. Or we'll be in a crew area, which I absolutely do not stand for. Because quite often on boats, the crew can smoke in crew areas. And I do not smoke, so they're gross. On a proper cruise ship, I was next to a crew area once and I could smell it when I was outside of the door. So I don't even want to be near it, all right? So I was on this boat. Sarah and I were on there. I'm going mad. They're about to close the boat up and I'm going, listen, if we don't get a key for our room before that thing, before they call the 10 minutes of sailing, we're getting off. I don't care about the New Year's gig. I don't care about getting paid. If we don't have a bedroom before 10 minutes before sailing, we're bailing. That's it. It gets to 10 minutes before sailing. And I went, right, come on, we're going. Sarah and I are heading down the gangway. The receptionist chasing after us. Wait, wait, we've got your room. We've got your room. So we went and checked in the room. It was fine. It was a guest room. It was still horrible. It's a ferry. What do you expect? But imagine what the crew room would have been like. So we're in the room. We got all of our stuff sorted. I'm essentially doing 20 minutes on stage that night. That's it. 20 minutes on the 30th of December. Then we wake up on New Year's Eve in Amsterdam. And then we sail home from Amsterdam to spend New Year. And then we're done. But it turned out that it's what they call a dry ship for crew. We were on the crew list, which meant Sarah and I were not allowed to drink alcohol in the bars for some bizarre maritime law. And everyone had to have these weird wristbands on if they were a guest. So we bought alcohol in Amsterdam and we drank it in our room. But also uh, we went to the kitchen. Now you were allowed in the crew kitchen and there was free food. I'll tell you more about Britney Ferries on another day. <laughs> but this isn't about Britney Ferries. This was, um, oh, what was this? This sails from Newcastle to Imuden, Amsterdam. I don't remember the name of the, um, wasn't P&O. It was something else. I don't know. Stenner? No. Anyway, some some ferry. <clears throat> you were allowed in the crew area. And it was similar to when I'd been on Britney Ferries, which is that the crew area basically has these big, long fr fridges, which have got uh, a ton of ham in and cheese. But you know that, like, a mental cheese with the holes in? And bread rolls. So you can make as many bread, cheese and ham bread sandwich. <laughs> you don't need to say bread sandwich, do you? You just say sandwich. <laughs> Anyway, you uh you don't need any any oh Jesus Christ. You just get your bread and your ham. No, you get your ham and your cheese, you put it in between bread, boom, you made sandwiches. We bought some chocolate, some Thornton's. So we had this box uh that was kind of a long square oblong box. The kind that you might keep um like uh cards in, you know, like uh you know what you used to have by the phone? sort of uh, note cards, index cards, a big long square box like that, like a Trivial Pursuit box. You know the cards that the questions come in in Trivial Yes, that's what I mean. You know the cards that the questions come in in Trivial Pursuit? It was a box of Thornton Thornton's chocolates about the size of that. So Sarah took the base, I took the lid, and we both took ourselves to the kitchen. Now, we uh, that was a nicely constructed sentence there off the, off the tongue. We made sandwiches, we filled that box, we took them back to the room, and we sat like a pair of saddos in our room, eating the sandwiches, drinking the rum and the Coke. And then at about 11 o'clock, I fell asleep. 
<laughs> and Sarah sat on her own for an hour with no phone signal or anything, bored out of her mind. And then at one minute to midnight, she woke me up and went, baby, it's about to be midnight. I said, oh, is it? She went, now it's midnight. I went, oh, happy new year. And I fell back asleep again. I woke up the next morning. Sarah said, I'm never coming on a ferry with you again. <laughs> never mind, eh? It was a fun experience. That was a shit new year. Anyway, we're going to finish this episode with a new feature. Yesterday, I featured Joshua on the podcast, and many of you loved it. That's going to stay as a feature. So maybe once a week, if possible, I will uh, get him. Well, no, I'm not going to commit to any particular times. But I think once a week, for a little section, I'll get him on the podcast for a quick chat. Another thing I'd like to do for a bit, every now and again, is... uh, talk about poems because i've started reading this book a selection of humorous verse the nation's favorite comic poems edited by griff reese jones so i started reading that and thinking about poems and i'd like to read you a poem that i really enjoy and it's not in this book as it goes but i'm going to read it anyway it is called toilet by Hugo Williams. Hugo. Don't Hugo, Hugo. I'll go. Hugo Williams. It's a bit strange, but we'll, what I'll do is I'll read the poem and then I will break down some thoughts on that poem immediately after. So let's see how we get on with this as a feature. Maybe we'll enjoy it. Maybe I'll get you into poetry. Maybe you'll find something that you didn't know about before or you will, you know, find a new way to look at things. So... It's all very grand, isn't it? I'm just going to read you a bloody poem. And it's a strange one. So here it goes. Toilet by Hugo Williams. I wonder will I speak to the girl sitting opposite me on this train. I wonder will my mouth open and say, Are you going all the way to Newcastle? Or can I get you a coffee? Or will it just go, ah, as if it has a mind of its own? Half-closing eggshell blue eyes, she runs her hand through her hair so that it clings to the carriage cloth, then slowly frees itself. She finds a brush and her long fair hair flies back and forth like an African fly whisk, making me feel dizzy. Suddenly, without warning, she packs it all away in a rubber band because I have forgotten to look out of the window for a moment. A coffee is granted permission to pass between her lips and does so eagerly without fuss. A tunnel finds us looking out of the window and into one another's eyes. She leaves her seat. But I know that she likes me because the light saying toilet has come on, a sign that she is lifting her skirt, taking down her pants and peeing all over my face. (laughs) So that's the poem. That's Toilet by Hugo Williams. Now, I remember when I first read this poem and I thought it was exceptionally strange, but sort of funny. And I obsessed over it for a while and I feel like I've worked it out. When he starts off, I wonder while I speak to the girl on the train. That's about how we notice people and we wonder what we can do about the fact that we've noticed them. And then when he says about half closing eggshell blue eyes and the things that she does, he's beginning to really pay attention to the details and he's falling in love with this person. 
And then the third stage happens when he says she packs everything away because he's forgotten to look out of the window. That's the most dangerous part of obsession. It's when we become obsessed with people to the point that we think that their actions are based on ours, when in fact often they haven't even noticed us. You know, he thinks that she's put everything away because of him, when in fact she's going about her life without any idea that she even exists. And then he talks about a coffee being granted permission. So then he realizes that this is no easy challenge, that he needs to do something. And then the final stage of obsession is that he finds himself staring at her and her staring at him and they confront each other. But then she leaves and goes to the toilet. And the thing about her peeing all over his face is, of course, metaphorical, but the idea that he describes it as a sign, a sign she is peeing all of my face, is that she has done some insignificant thing. All she's done is she's gone in the toilet and locked the door, which seals her away from him. But also, she's done something that has nothing to do with him, but it indicates to him that she's now no longer available and he's humiliated. The peeing all over his face, that's humiliation, of course. And so I think that that, despite being funny and strange, is really a poem about becoming obsessed with someone and then going through the various stages of obsession and then the inevitable humiliation that comes at the end of obsession. It's quite an amazing thing. I've thought about that poem a lot over the years. And so there it is. We ended on a poem and a little bit of a dissection of a poem. Anyway, if you want to read it again, it's called Toilet and it's by Hugo Williams. That, my friends, is today's podcast. Bye. P.S. Just adding a little bit on. I realised I forgot to ask. Nathan, send me your address, mate. I'll send you your prize. Cheers.